please welcome to the show our next guest. You're listening to Not So Live from SRG. I'm Mike Finkelstein, and we have a special presentation today, an interview with Trenton from the Final Fantasy Randomizer community, I'm sure, among other things. Trenton, how's it going over there? Well, today hadn't been the best in the world, but, you know, overall, things are pretty decent. I'm sorry to hear that. Just mad at stupid shopping stores. Why can't they figure out their stuff? I mean, the, we've only had retail shopping for over 100 years. You'd think they'd have this down by now. <laughs> nah. <laughs> so I know you from the Final Fantasy Randomizer community. I don't want to presume that's the only thing you have your fingers in, though, because I've seen you actually around with a couple of different groups and so forth. What are your interests, Trenton? Well, as far as gaming, I'm a regular watcher of Mario Maker, stream it occasionally. Uh, as far as what I stream, of course, Mario Maker. Uh, I've been doing speed runs for Final Fantasy 1 for the PSP this year, trying to do have uh, some fun with that, and we can come back to that, because you and I had some fun with that earlier yes, this year. Yes, we, we did a marathon with that at one point. Uh, also done Final Fantasy 2, Chrono Trigger... Uh, as far as speed runs, I'm kind of keeping it tight to those right now. There's another Japanese... RPG I've been wanting to do, Bahamut Lagoon. I just haven't been able to put in the time for it yet. Mm. But uh, And I've also been known to be around commentary in other various places, uh, especially with Chrono Trigger. And on October 24th, our Beachy Limit Break had a Chrono Relay marathon that uh, I was part of as the commentary team. Okay, so we're, we're going to go touch upon other stuff, but I want to hear about this Relay. What games are they playing in this Relay? Uh, it's Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross, and Radical Dreamers. There we go. I was curious because it's like officially there's only two, unless you qualify, you count Radical Dreamers. And I'm I'm amused by the fact that there are people who speed run that because that's a text adventure. Oh yes, there's people who will speed run basically anything. 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 I mean I, that that is fair. The clue speed run of six seconds is technically a thing. Yeah, there's a Waldo game that's about that too because you can auto move to the thing using the second controller so like Arceus is four to six seconds or something like that at that that's hilarious okay so final fantasy among all the topics you've mentioned you said final fantasy 2 is that u.s or japan that is the japan version the i learned the speed run of it because i'd never beaten the game and i wanted to beat basically mm -hmm. everything through six so i just decided well let's just see how the speed run does it and i actually kind of liked the speed run so i've still been doing a bit of that here and there cool. i believe i'm currently eighth overall on the psp version okay. and would curious. love to improve that a little bit but haven't had the time i was curious which version you were playing on because i know that the <laughs> the nes version is shall we say broken in its own fun ways it is. Of course, you can do 100 attacks in one turn of combat and automatically level up a skill, but yep. uh, it That's takes some time to consume that. Yeah. That's patched out in the later versions, but it uh, plays much faster anyways. So. Yeah, I knew from like the Game Boy version on they patched out. I think it's still present in the PlayStation what uh, Origins version because they didn't do a lot of changes. They just kind of bug fixed the stuff that wasn't working. I haven't tried that one. It's, it's probably something I need to do one day. I mean, the the problem with the PlayStation ones is the load time, as with everything. Just, I mean, they're fun to play, and they are pretty, but, oh my god, it takes forever to load anything. 
Probably the IPGs didn't catch on so much on the PS1. I mean, it had the titles like Sui Coden, especially, uh-huh. which is some of my all-time favorites of the Sui Coden games. But the, no, it had those RPGs, but you didn't really associate it as an RPG console. I mean, probably number one was FF7. Number two was probably Tactics, Final Fantasy. Yeah. And you don't really hear a lot about RPGs after that. Kind of wonder how much more successful, say, a Wild Arms could have been in a different generation of consoles. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, the, the Super Nintendo was lauded for its RPG selection. The... The, and then later later consoles like PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 3 got their own selection, but you're not wrong. Mostly when, outside of Final Fantasy VII, when I think of the PlayStation, I think of Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which is its own kind of RPG, but not really. I, I generally think of Castlevania as a platformer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's more Metroidvania than any RPG. The RPG elements are there as like a, a fun little addition. Okay. So, what drew you in to Final Fantasy Randomizer, since that's where I know you from, and I am curious. That's generally a question I ask anyone from the community. Sure, well, it goes back about three years, uh, when it was uh, very new. This would have been pre-1.4, as far as versions. Uh, I think I came in somewhere around 1.2, 1.3 range, mm-hmm. and little roundabout way i got there so if you didn't know this you can follow games on twitch not just people but you can see if anyone is streaming a game you're interested in and because of that i discovered poexel which is where i discovered the chrono trigger 100 glitchless speed run which is my personal favorite speed run i I love watching him play that game and then all of a sudden there's this chatter in there and you may recognize this name because she has certainly been around the RPG chick. Yes. And I was like, okay, that sounds like a name I need to follow. And I did. And then one day she loads up final fantasy randomizer. Now I already knew of randomizers because of Zelda one randomizer, which mm-hmm. I also found the same way, found it via just following legend of Zelda as a game. Yeah. So she's playing it. It was this ridiculous seed where Masamune was in one of the first five treasure chests, something like that. And I was like, okay, I, I really need to check out what's going on with this. That was just prior to the first tournament. Uh, that was version 1.44 timeframe was the uh, first version. And then 1.5 came out later that year. So if anyone wants to look back on the GitHub to get these exact dates, (laughs) giving you a time frame of when they were. And and as of note, we are on on 3.2 at this point with the randomizer. Yeah, that happens when you you get three years later. Yeah. What's funny is we did a throwback uh, event for the old versions just to give people a taste of what that first tournament was like. Turned speed hacks off, which really do speed up the game. And they do. Yeah. People were ready to riot over it. And like, <laughs> y'all, this is still faster. Yeah. Still faster oh. than what it used to be. Yeah. Forget versus vanilla. We played the randomizer. It was slower than this. Well, that was one of the big innovations about the randomizer before, like all the new features came in. And in the last year, we've had a crazy amount of new features come in thanks to one of our new devs, Wild Ham especially. But the earliest tournaments for the game were, it's still fairly linear, still fairly vanilla in its layout. It's just, you know, 
a few of the key items could be swapped around, but the whole fetch quests hadn't yet been broken. It was really, where are the weapons going to turn up? What magic do you get? How are you going to use that to go through the basic game? The, in those days, you didn't have NPC shuffle, so you would have the... Uh, you'd have to find the ship. Now, that was going to be... Well, no, I'm sorry. The NPC shuffle wasn't on, so that that was fine. But you were going to find the floater in a box somewhere. You were going to find the ruby in a box somewhere. The mm -hmm. tail was going to be in a box somewhere. I am forgetting what else. Uh, TNT would be. Crown would be. Yeah. So you still had loose items that you had to find. And, but it was less, it was more linear in the sense that there weren't as many options, like there were no northern docks or anything like that to go to. Yeah, you could predict pretty early on that the king or the princess was more than likely going to give you the bridge. And if they didn't, they were going to give you the ship and making the bridge, like, useless. You could well, kind no, we're of... talking before that. Oh. We're talking about they would have had the, the bridge and the loot. But just those, there'd be like five loose major items to find. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for the for the little fetch quests that would then load up from there. Yeah, the the randomizer has come a long way. It has. I mean, we it was both considered and was a true major leap forward when NPC shuffle came about, and believe that was officially version two point oh. It's yeah, just in the last year and a half that I've been with the community, it has become a radically different game. So it's 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 interesting, and I love I love randomizers in general, and I love how the community the various communities support them. Um, just going and watching some of them and seeing how they change and evolve, and I don't know, like you mentioned Zelda One, I don't know how many other randomizers you keep an eye on, but I I pay attention to Zelda One and just seeing that one with the the dungeon shapes that have ch changed over time, the amount of stuff that they can shuffle, the overworld that can now be mirrored. There's just so many cool things have gone into these communities that helped just keep retro gaming alive in new and different ways. Yeah, of course, the, the whole premise of it started when Fred F. Coughlin was watching Lag Attack, and basically he said something to the effect of, I wish I could play Zelda 1 for the first time again. Now, for those who don't know, he's the world record holder in, like, every category that exists. I think, like, Maybe everything... Not literally, but figuratively. Yeah, everything except for, like, uh, playing both both quests back-to-back, -back, and I think uh, maybe a couple minor variants of second quest. Yeah, so Fred was inspired by that. He came up with the concept of the randomizers, and uh, it's been way upward and onward since then. A lot of communities have developed really good randomizers since then others are still in progress uh, chrono trigger there's been a lot of work done on getting one that will uh, shuffle key items around and be a more open world randomizer and uh so yeah this has been a year of speed running for me more than randomizers but mm -hmm. i still mount about looking around at all the neat stuff i, I can sit and watch an snb3 rando any day well yeah i'm mean... really good at it but i can watch it <laughs> So since you're talking about speedrunning and everything else, let's go talk touch upon that thing that you mentioned earlier, the Final Fantasy for the PSP. Tell us about that speedrun. Well, the, the PSP version of it is the most broken version, but in the best possible way for us. So it's very much to the runner's benefit where you can turn weapons into armor, armor into weapons, and you're able to go from a low-quality item to a high-quality item 
So very early on, you're getting great, great stuff. And also just a quirk about me, I almost always would rather come up with my own category, my own twist, my own route, instead of just blanket following somebody else's. I just, I don't feel right unless I've done some of the work on it. Mm-hmm. So I had this idea, hey, what if I really pushed this equipment glitch stuff into doing something different, something that looked different, something that acted different. And I said, well, how about I just run one character? Yeah. So I've done solo Red Mage runs. I've done that in one marathon now and on my own channel, of course. Currently, I've pushed that down to a 157. So I broke two hours for using just the one character to beat the whole game. That's that's impressive. I mean, it, it's on the one hand, that's, that's really impressive that you dealt with one character. At the same time, the PSP game is horribly broken and is the reason you could do that in that amount of time is because just just how much that game can be exploited yeah now if you were to do something like just the speed hacks out of the randomizer Mm -hmm. you'd still be talking like two and a half hours Mm -hmm. on the nes version so Mm -hmm. they're not that out of bounds comparable just the biggest thing it does is you don't have to stop and level grind yeah. It's really the only time you need levels are one to learn spells and two to beat the final boss. So the only time I ever do a level grind, it's to beat that final boss. Yeah, you need that 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 necessary minimum amount of health to be able to survive his spells that will come and kill you otherwise. Uh, I actually use item to boost the max health, so it it's a question of being a high enough level to do enough damage. Yeah, okay. To, to beat him reasonably. I forget that the PSP one, and I think actually the GBN one as well, has a lot of those <coughs> later game items that can boost your strength and your health and everything else, so you're not just having to do it via spells or not at all because it wasn't in the vanilla game. Yeah, they didn't have those. They added them as a quality of life feature later on. They're for sale at the Oasis Caravan store. Once you buy the bottle, and you can buy the Giant's Tonics to increase your max HP by 200. Yeah, it's it's impressive, and of course the 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 equipment glitch being the the big show of that. Like any version of that game you see is because of that equipment glitch. The all the speed runs are like I I'm sure there's probably someone who runs a glitchless category, but after you see the glitched version with the equipment glitch, you're sitting there going, "Why would you do that to yourself?" <laughs> I haven't seen anybody doing glitchless runs. Now, a glitchless run would still play faster than the NES version, so Mm -hmm. there would be that. But I I think, generally speaking, when you're talking about a glitchless run, people would rather go back to the NES. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, the the GBA version is also glitchless as well and does play Mm -hmm. faster. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, it is also really a different version of the game than your NES version is. Basically, the game really does have four distinct versions for Uh those who aren't familiar with it. The NES is, of course, the classic. They really gave it a fresh coat of paint with the PS1 version. Uh The GBA is, like, reimagined a little bit. And PSP, they, like, tried to do it all from scratch. And And (laughs) sure enough, they found out you better respect Nasir a little more than you did before because they ended up breaking it worse than anything he ever did. Yeah, because that's the thing. If you go and you play the NES version of it, it, it runs fine if you if you know how to work with what's there, but there are any number of spells. Temper, for example, 
some of the uh, instant deaths and other buff, buff and debuff spells that either don't work or work opposite to what their intended one was. Like, lock is supposed to slow down an enemy, but I think it actually speeds them up. So, there are some glitches in there or some bugged spells and stats and so forth that don't work the way they were supposed to. But if you're just playing the game normally, you probably wouldn't even realize that. But those are the kinds of fixes that they put into the PlayStation 1 version. They kept the basic game the same and just improved things. But yeah, the Game Boy 1, the Game Boy Advance 1, they they changed the magic from the D&D style certain number of slots per level to just straight MP. And then, yeah, the PlayStation 1, that one, that one, that one just went off the rails. <laughs> I don't think there's yeah. any other way to describe that. So if you're looking for a more modern RPG experience, you can play the PSP version. It'll mm -hmm. be fine. Of course, you don't ever have to do any glitches. It's just, it's fun to play around with some of the time. Yeah. Using a piece of gear to get a different, way more powerful piece of gear, and then just kind of experimenting with what you can get and what you can do. I know there's actually a, a randomizer, actually, for the PSP version, and I would be like, that would just screw with my head, because... Now you're trying to go through the whole equipment list and figure out what you're getting from, like, that leather armor you first pick up. Haven't tried that randomizer. I've just played the mm -hmm. actual game, and for randomizer, I do the FF1. Yeah. That one's yeah. not maintained, and it's not the same people, no. but it was developed, so yes. It, I know this one, yeah. That there's, is out there. There's randomizers for most of the versions of Final Fantasy and its sequels, but... I, I, I would agree with you that the NES one is the one that most people rely on. If there were another re no other reason, it's the most robust. So venturing further afield, Chrono Trigger was another one that you mentioned, not just in the context of Wexel, but in something that you ran uh, speed run. And I, I think it's both. Are you running both the vanilla and the rando, or is it just the rando that you pay attention to there? I've done the randomizer quite a bit i was helping test in the early days of its development mm -hmm. uh, there's not a lot to test right now mm -hmm. but uh, i also did a showcase race along with muppets in space uh about a month or so ago so that video is out there yeah i saw that one and uh, as far as what i actively do i'm working more on the speedrun side of it trying to get my time for 100% glitchless to be somewhat respectable i've got a few complete runs i don't have a time that i'm happy with yet so i haven't submitted it to the leaderboards that's interesting i um i i like i like the game i i honestly <laughs> saying i like the game is an understatement chrono trigger is probably my favorite rpg of all time and maybe my favorite game of all time i think it's just so good, so pretty, such a good soundtrack to it, just overall. I haven't ever tried speed running it, though. I'm, I don't know, I just, something about it, like, especially if you're doing glitches, um, you miss a lot of the boss fights and you miss other stuff, and if you're doing it glitchless, like, it still feels like, you know, you're trying to rush through a game that, that I love to just enjoy. It's one of the reasons why I like the category mm -hmm. is because you're doing all the stuff. You're actually playing the game. It's like, in general terms for speedruns, I've never understood why a credits warp would be considered beating the game uh -huh. because you didn't play the game. Yeah. So that's my personal definition. No disrespect to anyone. And it's just, I don't get the appeal of a credits run. It's like, if you don't beat the final boss, it doesn't really feel like you played the game. I agree. I mean, I, I get the idea behind all the various speedrunning categories. Someone wants to see if they can pull off this 
trick that allows you to go up and down the stairs in Canaria Castle in the Famicom version of Final Fantasy faster than anyone else, so you get to the credits first. I mean, I get it. I, but I'm in agreement with you. If you're not enjoying the game, if you're not going through the whole of it, then it doesn't really feel like you've played the game at that point. It's speed running. We try to do things as fast (laughs) as we can. So I certainly understand that, but I love to really see if there's way. I love to see neat strategies, especially. So something like figure out, Oh yeah, pick up this one thing over here. And then two hours later, you're going to use it to beat this boss. That stuff's amazing to me that you can think that long game that you can develop these strats to do it. That kind of thing just is honestly, the strategic value of a speed run is probably the biggest appeal to me. Mm -hmm. So like I said, I like to come up with my own stuff. I like to have to sit there, compare a to B, try and figure out routing things, what works, what doesn't work. So even this is, yeah, yeah, this is back to Final Fantasy and Vanilla. Of course, the most recent development has been the RNG manipulation, the the buffering that Fred Coughlin has done. Yes, the same one we're talking about from Zelda One Randomizer. He's he all over the place this. too. Yeah. <laughs> so I I was contributing information and ideas to that run when he was first developing the script to help develop these things, the stuff that you wouldn't. A casual player of Final Fantasy would not know something like everything is attacking you with the element of fire. So if you have fire resistance, you're actually defending against a whole lot more than you would ever expect. Like the physical attacks, the touch attacks. If you got fire resistance, you're defending against that. Casually, you have no reason to know that. You'd have to have gotten into it somewhere from something but it was one of those little pieces of information I was able to share. And that was a fun thing for me just to talk with him about that project and contribute a couple of things. Not that he wouldn't have developed them anyways, or that the resources weren't out there, but just to have even a small piece of, Hey, you've got this, you've got that, or he's trying to figure out how to accomplish task a. So I say, well, here's three possibilities that might help you get there. And then he goes and he figures out what works the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that, and I th- I think it's 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 interesting. I mean, it's it this kind of goes into the into a certain extent like tassing as well, which you 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 mentioned the sitting this here and then keeping it around for two hours. I've seen some tasses of various RPGs and so forth where you know they go into a room and they pick up something that they're going to use for later, uh, but it's going to be like hours later on a long run. But then they do it and they use it for a specific frame perfect trick so that they can then get past this next thing. And you're like, wow, that not only took a lot of skill to set up the task to do it, but also the forethought of what this item can do for you ahead of time so that you can then use it in this context i think i think things like that are cool and knowing the the procedures of how the game works to be able to plan around things like that is it's kind of neat one of the fun things i got to do this year before all insanity happened <laughs> was ddq in orlando uh-huh. and of course taskbot was there took picture of taskbot but sure the Taskbot guy has said basically of these runs that they're really works of art. And that's kind of stuck with me since. And I I admire the way he put that. And even if you don't want to say art, it is certainly a craft in as much as 
any other type of accomplishment is. A lot of effort goes into crafting this into doing exactly what you want it to do. And it can be really amazing and a lot of fun to look at. Well, because there's, I think, I think I'd agree with you on that. There's, it's, the tasking itself is meant to be a proof of concept of how far the game can be pushed. And there are tricks that a task does that are considered task perfect until such time as a human finally figures out how to do it. Heck, the the screen wrap glitch in Zelda 1 that is now just ubiquitous in all of the speedrunning that's done in that game and the randomizer was at one point considered a task-only trick until they figured out that, no, a human can do it if they figure out how to line it up right and just do it themselves. But there's... And one of the most infamous ones would be from Super Mario Bros. 1. The flagpole glitch was considered task-only oh, yeah. for quite a while. Yeah, where you and jump then, and course, glitch it, it at just the right spot and skip the flagpole entirely. Yeah. And then this that's how I ended up finding Twitch was out of a chain of events that started with Darby and setting the world record in Super Mario Brothers one. But this is how far they've come in that. He's not even in the top ten anymore for the any percent. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. It is. But yeah, no, the a task is meant like is is sure it's meant as a kind of a proof of concept of what you can do. But when you watch it at, like, GDQ or something, you also note that while they're trying to beat the game as fast as they can, there oftentimes there are these little dry moments where the character can't do anything, or they have to wait for certain things to happen, or they set something up, and in the process of doing that, they just kind of, they do little swag things, little movements with the character, spell out stupid things with some bombs or something else, and it's just, it's because they can, because they got the time, and they know that even if the speedrunners aren't going to do all the little things that they're doing there, other people have just started realizing tasks are fun to watch, even if you're just a filthy casual like me. Um, and going in there and seeing them be entertaining while they're doing this game as fast as computerly possible, it's 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 part of the show at that point. And also once you realize that, hey, this stuff is not machine learning. A person sat there and crafted this run. Like when you really understand that part of a task run, you start to appreciate it a lot more. That they created all these inputs to accomplish exactly this thing. It took a lot of depth of knowledge of the game, and it took a high level of execution to know that you would be able to do these things. Yeah, just just because it's tool assisted, that doesn't take away the skill that's involved in it. It's a it's a different extension of the basic skills that a speedrunner needs to know, and in some ways pushes it even further because they've found glitches that your normal speedrunner can't do yet. It also tends to result in information being translated back to everyone else that when you've experimented with it for a task, you tend to learn things about, say, hey, maybe enemy AI or whatever that can translate to a normal run, even if it's not used the same way. Yep. It's it's pretty cool. This, the, the, the whole of the speedrunning community, I think, is fascinating. And the, the amount of sharing, and I like the fact that even though randomizers are their own thing, and they're not like a traditional speedrun in any way, you get a lot of speedrunners playing in the randomizer community. Randomizers end up having like people get back back spun back into speedrunning as well. There's the vanillish leaderboard on the Final Fantasy randomizer community, which is basically the vanilla Final Fantasy game, but with the speed hacks included. And we have our own players that are playing that, 
which is basically just them speedrunning the original Final Fantasy on the NES with, like, the Game Boy improvements, more or less. And it's just, like, there's a back and forth that happens there and just shows, like, how open and receptive and sharing the speed gaming community, speed running community can be. Yeah, that's one I wish I could get Nasir to see. Uh, I'd love it if he ever discovered Twitch and found out about all this stuff going on, because I think he can get a kick out of seeing this project the way it's become now. <laughs> yeah, with the and with the amount of stuff that's in on the community. So, we, I guess we can we can push a little further afield outside of the few games that you mentioned. What other things interests you? What 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 like? What do you spend your time doing when it's not Final Fantasy or Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy Two? You want gaming, or you want life? Whatever, whatever you want to do. We'll we'll, well branch as far field as you want to go. I throw gaming in first of all, since that'll be a quick topic. I'll watch a lot of retro stuff, and it'll vary based on who's on and who's doing what. Uh, I watched a lot of Skunky doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Very chill dude. Just retired from streaming, unfortunately, but. Very chill guy. Loved hanging out with him, and he did a lot of enjoyable runs. Uh, one of the people that is kind of well-known within Mario Maker is Composer. He does a lot of music composition stuff. He does music levels for Mario Maker 2. He's also developed actual uh, mainline video game music. There's a couple of games out there that have his work on there, so it's fun to see creative stuff like that going on. Uh, Mario 35 has been interesting lately. I think that's a short burst, but uh, it's very interesting in the short term. So, yeah, because that's what that... that. Of course, I mentioned uh, Sui Coden is my favorite series of games all time, uh, by far. No, no disrespect to Final Fantasy, but I just love <laughs> the richness of Sui Coden more than that. One, two, three, five. Great series of games right there. Not four? Four didn't exist. Oh, really? That that's the standard answer you'll hear from this. <laughs> <secret laughs> <man. laughs> okay, I see. It. It's a meme joke. I get you. Okay. What's okay now? Now I want to know what's so bad about four? Then the game that doesn't exist. It, it's not a good suit code. And they they tried too hard to reinvent the wheel. Ah, uh, um, and then yeah. five goes back to basics. It, much better at that. It just with five, it's just a longer game. Hmm. One and two were both designed to be roughly 20-hour games. Mm -hmm. Three was probably a little longer. I'm not sure what its ideal time would be, but probably closer to 30. Okay. And I'm talking casual hours. I'm not talking speedrun hours. Like, Suicoden 1, I think they speedrun in under three hours now. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's about right, because I've seen the marathons they do of that over on Randomania and RPG Limit Break. But as far as a completionist who is sitting there casually to play the game, you beat it in about 20 hours if you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So that's a great pace for an RPG, and that makes a big difference. And then 3 had a much, much slower pace where it, you weren't doing anything. And that's the worst way to slow down a game, is to just not do anything. 3 or 4? Four? 4. Okay, you said 3, so I wanted to make sure. My bad. Apologies to three. You're good. You didn't You're deserve good. that. <laughs> Slandering that perfect game. <laughs> no, two is perfect except the translations. Ah, okay. <laughs> Otherwise, I would call that the most perfect RPG ever. But if you put aside the translations, I think it's the best RPG ever made. Mm. It, 
so those are generally speaking the uh the video games I get into as far as uh, life stuff. I've been trying to take advantage of having more time on my hands this year, you know, doing some stuff to be healthy and all that junk. So I've been riding my bike a bunch. And in the last two years, really got back into swimming. I did it a lot as a kid, not very competitive, just I liked swimming. And I still just really like swimming. I live in Florida. I get to swim year-round. Pretty much. Like, well, I mean, that's that... weeks in winter, but that does explain why you're at the the game stuff quick there. It was like right in your neighborhood. It was. It was a few hours away from me. Didn't have to go that far. It was a nice experience. Got to meet a lot of fun people. As far as Final Fantasy One randomizer goes, a couple of names people would know. Ice Blue was there. Saw him. Uh, Rainbow Poogle was not around very much, but Rainbow Poogle was also there. And Raikou Rider is not a regular in competitiveness or anything, but he's also run the Final Fantasy One randomizer in several online marathons. So, yeah, I know his name. Yeah, yeah, very nice dude. Got to meet him. That was a lot of fun. I mean, we we got to meet up with each other over at uh, Speed Gaming Live. So, I mean, it it is kind of cool just being able to go and see these people that you know from, like, online names and maybe their online streams and just, like, actually meet them for real. It's it's a little weird, but kind of cool. Yeah, somebody who was at both events was Feasel, of course. Mm -hmm. Still ties into FF1 because he used to do FF1 speedruns. Yep. And uh, I joked at GDQ. Now, if you've ever seen Feasel, either online or real life, he's almost always doing something. He's yeah. almost always going from point A to point B to do something. So he, I made this joke at GDQ that Feasel walked by me and I didn't recognize him. And then he ran by me and I've recognized him. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, it's Feasel. There, there he goes. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that guy. The, the one that's running. That's Feasel. <laughs> and that's kind of my other online project is I am a speed gaming volunteer. So I helped set up some of the races that happened on those channels. And that was a platform built by Feasel and some others to uh, give video games a showcase, especially races. And it's been a great project that's done a lot to benefit all forms of speed running, including randomizers. Yeah. Yeah. Speed gaming was the one that I first started like paying attention to when I started hanging out on YouTube and getting into the various games that I wanted to watch and so forth. And I mean, once you get into that, you get down the rabbit hole and you start paying attention to the other big ones, Randomania and RPG Limit Break and just seeing all the things that they do and all the ways that they support gaming. It's it's a great community. And I, I, I think Speed Gaming gets deserves a lot of credit for just getting it out there and for like really promoting just all the games that they promote and all the ways people can just play their video games. Yeah, and they have a pretty open policy that they love to have new games come in and be a part of it. Uh, not to be a total sales job, but I'm just saying that there's been new games this year to me that have just been fun to watch that I wouldn't have known about otherwise just because they were there, found out about them, and mm -hmm. they were fun to watch. Okay, I will admit that I'm actually starting to run out of stuff. Do you have anything you want to talk about? Anything else that comes to your mind? Yes, I'd like to know how you get 39 hours out of one day. <laughs> if you figure you, that out, you tell me. so many different projects, I can't even believe it. Me? Yes. <laughs> you've got your website, you've got the FF1 stuff you're doing, you're designing 
online layouts and whatnot for speed gaming. You come up with t-shirt designs. You're doing your webcomic. You're doing a podcast. I don't know where you're coming up with all this time. I like to keep busy. I don't know. I just, I do. <laughs> I, I have always just had this thing where if I'm sitting down on my couch, I need to be doing something. So, like, I'll run my Castlevania website, I'll run my Asteroid G website, I'll work on my webcomic. I kind of got into a habit of doing each of these things over time, so that when, I, when I've when i been doing them enough, I'm like, okay, I still have time in my day, what else can I do? So then I add something else on. The um, I will admit the Final Fantasy randomizer and speed gaming communities have been eating up a lot more of my time, and um, I don't think I'm adding on any other projects anytime soon. No, that's fair. As far as other projects that I want to get up to, I've started scripting this, haven't recorded any of them yet, but one of the big things I want to do is more, is a series of videos to help people who want to develop their skills at doing online commentary. It doesn't necessarily have to be for randomizers, but just in general. Games in general. Yeah. I've got a lot of experience in broadcasting it. I've got a lot of life experience. Obviously, I'm not shy about talking, so I want to help people structure their thoughts say okay you want to do this from scratch here's what you do this is you want to improve on something here's things to focus on and improve and just make some good resources out there that i don't really see right now i I think that'd be a good thing i know just from my experience with final fantasy randomizer and then listening to commentary for Mega Man 2 randomizer and a link to the past randomizer and then helping out with those ones occasionally there is a certain amount of skill involved in doing something like that well. And I think I think for most people, you could develop that skill to do it. Being comfortable to do it and just not, not just falling into it and just mumbling your way through, uh, I think that's a lot of people's, something that a lot of people end up doing. But if, you, if there were tutorials online like you're talking about that could help people practice and figure out what they were going to do, that could be super helpful just to help broaden the base of people we have that are comfortable chatting on the microphone and know how to make the small talk that's necessary to fill time while also pointing out important things that are going on and how to balance all of that. The, the number one skill with any of this is preparation, and it's something that's no stranger to you. You don't suddenly just invent a new style of doing layouts. You have your ways that you have mm -hmm. started developing your graphic design. And some of those are going to translate and some of the things will be new, but yep. you've done preparation that gets you ready for whatever you're trying to do. And just developing that preparation skill is what's going to help. Uh, you want to go into a little of the history of how I started doing commentary? Sure, go for it. Well, I had found out about the Final Fantasy 1 randomizer, but I didn't feel comfortable with my skills. Now, I would feel very comfortable with my skills for that first tournament now, but so would everybody else. But uh, I still wanted to be a part of it. So I still signed up with the Discord. I was still part of the group going into it and said, well, I'll just do some commentary here and there. And probably ended up doing like one out of every five matches, I think, had my voice on them just because I was available and would sign yeah. up, just get into it. Got to meet a lot of cool people that way. Uh, the, the one that I most remember, I think this was the first match I did. 
if not, it was one of the first three, was Minochi. Uh, Minochi 85, nicknamed the Buzzsaw in Final Fantasy Randomizer. If I know I'm doing <laughs> yes. a match, I'll reach out to the runners and I'll ask them information. Again, preparation helps. So I had reached out to Minochi, and he was a little shy at the time, but we got to be pretty good friends after that. And we had a common experience to bond over, and it helped. So go on, and I just figured, you know, I'm one of the voices, and then all of a sudden it gets down to the finals, and they ask me to commentate those with Edgeworth, who's also been a really good friend of mine I met through this community. And that was a great honor for me. And I've done, I think, three different tournaments finals now uh, that all stemmed from that. Interesting. Yeah, I, I remember listening to you back in the day and so forth and the nicknames for people. But it's the the smooth patter and the the natural way that you carry your commentary. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons, like, you know, people will hold you up as one of the, the commentators they like to listen to. I think you and... Will Cleosis would be a couple people that would be ranked near the top for the Final Fantasy randomizer community. It's just the knowing the control of the mic, I guess, is kind of the way to it. Both the smooth voice and the control of the mic together. Yeah, that's funny. And we, we get along a lot. It, it's just always funny because really we have two very distinctly different styles of doing it, especially in the lead. And so whenever we work together, I end up falling into more of the analyst role with him. But uh, he's been a good friend. And you talked about the nicknames. Of course, he's nicknamed the infectious one. And that was really uh, one of his great contributions was, hey, try and help people stand out a little bit. Give them that nickname and uh, a little more personality than just comes up from a username sitting there on the screen playing the game. Yeah. No, that's that's a that's a good call right there. I like that. And. I mean, I, I honestly, I can't even always remember Minochi's name in part because he's not active in the community as much as he used to be. But I will forever remember him as the buzzsaw anytime I see him show up. Absolutely. <laughs> Just like wa watching the early ones where he gets the uh, opal bracelet in the game and then immediately goes and sells it because he needs the money. The thing no one else would do because that's a great piece of gear. But, you know, that's just something he'd do because he's like, no, the items and the money are more important to me right now than this one piece of armor that I may or may not use. Gotta have that lunch money. <laughs> Gotta have your lunch money. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, one of my funniest, one of my favorite memories of dealing with Mono is he had just recently made affiliate and he got an emote. And I said, Mono, why isn't your emote a lunchbox? He's like, <laughs> There's this pause. Basically something I'm not going to repeat. And then, yeah, you're right. It should be a lunchbox. <laughs> but we've had plenty of jokes about the lunch money. I mean, it's, it, 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 it made, him, made him stand out. It did. And he stood out a lot in the first tournament. Just He's the one who really came up with the black belt strats, as mm -hmm. you've seen them over the course of the years. He would... Up, he would get that black belt level grinded up to 40 and that's how he was beating some very high percentage bosses and it really became the meta there anytime you were dealing with high percentage bosses now yep. things have changed as new developments have come out in the randomizer but that was kind of your guarantee for how to beat the seed well Minochi would 
get started on that level grind sooner and he would do it more than anyone else would. He would take it to a higher level. So people were thinking, save time, don't grind. And he said, no, I can save more time by doing the grind. And he really flipped the strategy and that's why he did very well in the first tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, the black belt, for those that are, are unaware or don't remember Final Fantasy 1 all that well, the black belt is basically kind of piddly for the first 20-ish levels. But once you start, like, he, he builds up all of his stats evenly as he levels up. And it's uh, if you've played Final Fantasy 4, then you know Yang is basically a black belt. Once you get him up past a certain level, and depending upon the level of scaling you have, that number may change. But really, w- once he's past 22 or so, he really starts to get interesting. And once he gets past 32, he becomes ungodly. Uh, because it, you don't put a weapon in his hands, you don't bother putting armor on him, because all of that comes naturally to him over time. And he'll just start punching everything and making it go squish. So, because you don't you don't have to worry about finding gear, you don't have to worry about buying gear, you don't have to worry about what you're doing with the character or how long a boss fight is going to take, because you go up to punch it once or twice and it falls over, the amount of time you spend grinding on a black belt is saved with the amount of time you save doing everything else. And doing it faster and doing mm-hmm. it first try. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, it was especially a great strat. At that time. At that time. And, yeah. And yeah, though, yeah, things have definitely changed. On doing the, that. The, the, the fact that they've halved the big black belt critical hit rate just to balance them better in the randomizer. They buffed up the thief, and then they've added in, you know, blurst weapons and blurst classes that just dramatically changed the game. I'm not and sure the that meta's... spells have been a di- big difference as well. The which what? The lock spells have been a big difference. Yeah. And also, we don't tend to play percentages that high. Uh, it, time by the finals of the first tournament we were playing with up to 500 percent stats mm-hmm. so a, a max of eight enemy was you had a three and 256 chance of hitting them yeah now now max evade today is 10 and 256 so you're talking about them inherently being three times easier yeah we did reduce that that's because how that works right the, yeah that that is well, I mean, when you're looking at a boss and you're sitting there going, I'm either going to spend 15 minutes trying to hit you or I'm going to use an instant death spell and pray that it hits you eventually, that's that's terrible odds. It's like you're playing the lottery to see who wins the tournament. Kind of on a related vein to the nicknames, I've always tried to figure out ways to say things pretty concisely when doing commentary. So in the early days, I sit, was trying to figure out how to explain what various things were and I was looking at script shuffle, and I finally came up with, "Do you want imps with nuke? Because yep. this is how you get imps with nuke." I remember that. That is that is like a famous saying in the community, and I think it lives on, even though you haven't done commentary as much for us as you used to. Now that there's a the fall league, there's a team nuke imps. <laughs> I'm, I'm on that. But they, they didn't even ask my permission for the name. <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on. We would have invited you to be on the team if you were playing. I wasn't asked. I would have considered it. <laughs> But anyway, no, it's great. I'm glad people have had fun with it. And it was legitimately a great way Mm -hmm. to explain the flag because it's like if you just shuffle spells around, imps don't have spells, so they can't get nuke. But if you do script shuffle, then imps can get spells and then they have the ability to get nuke. So it explains what is unique about that setting. Yeah. 
Yeah, because that, that, that is... It real to people is when an explanation is going to stick like that. Yeah. Well, that is something that is one of those deep ephemera of the game that I don't think everyone actually understands because spell shuffle on its own only shuffles it among the enemies that already have spells. And imps will never get that because they just don't have spells. But yeah, by, by shuffling the enemy script saying, you guys that have spells... This is now going to shuffle over to some other enemy, and you may get a different enemy's script that may or may not have spells. That changes that and makes that dynamic more impressive, and it's part of the reason why you can end up with, like, ambushing, uh, stun-touch, blaze medusas of death like we had. That That is certainly a thing that happens. One of the more iconic races, uh, we had Wilkleosis and Tristel were mm -hmm. stuck on the earth floor of Temple of Fiends Revisited, and they just had these awful, awful green medusas they could not get past. Yep. And was ended up being a very close finish as well. It was. I commentated that race, and I think it was Tristel had almost a half an hour lead on Wilkleosis, but because of how bad that floor was, and it was Death Touch, it was ambushing Death Touch, high ambush, Death touch. With like 12 hits. Yeah, with 12 hits and blaze as their first skill. Uh, so either they'd ambush you and touch you and kill you, or they'd cast blaze, which, if you didn't have a ribbon, does a ton of damage. No matter what, you were slowly getting beat down over and over again, and even if you survived the blazes, they more than likely were going to hit and kill you because nothing stops death touch. So, well, yeah. That magic defense will resist it, but yeah. It'll resist it, but there's no, like, ribbon that automatically makes you immune. So, yeah, it's it's that thing of Tristel spent a half an hour slowly learning the encounter table to try and get around them. Uh, and Will, who beat him the previous tournament, I think, one of the only losses Tristel suffered, like, caught up and then managed to beat uh, Tristel again through sheer luck. And a very lucky Bane against Chaos in the last battle. Well, there wasn't luck. Uh, he actually saw the Medusas, left and did a level grind. So he tested the waters, then he left and ran a different strategy, and the different strategy actually paid off. Yeah. Just Plus be fair bait. to everyone, but yeah. Plus the Bane. They, they both put a tremendous amount of work oh, they in to beat they that seed. Yeah. That was, that was a race for the ages, and I certainly encourage anyone to go and watch it again just to see that last half an hour or so, because it is it is Final Fantasy Randomizer at its purest, and also kind of its cruelest. Oh, that's uh, definitely true. We, we used to have to have kind of softlock rules, mm -hmm. where if you couldn't accomplish X within 30 minutes, yep. we'd have to reroll the seed. So a biggie before you had different routing options was the pirates. Yep. It, think about putting blaze on pirates, and there's nine of them. If you don't have a way to kill all nine in the first turn, yeah, that's problematic. Yeah, I think there was a match. What was it? X Ice versus was it Tristel? I want to say that would be um, the championship of the first tournament. Yeah, where they both ended up at Provoca. Uh, Canaria didn't have any area of effect magic. Provoca didn't have any area of effect magic. And the pirates had thunder, I believe. And Exice... It was a very shocking experience. I think it was Exice who couldn't get through it, and Tristel, with Trist luck, managed to get it where the pirates just decided never to cast thunder on him while he attacked with all four of his guys, and 
three rounds of combat later, he was alive and the pirates were dead and he managed to get through. Yeah, and that's yep. just the way it goes sometimes. But yep. we had rules in place at the time where, okay, if neither runner could get past it within 30 minutes, we'd re-roll the seat. We had to actually plan for stuff like that. So yep. it's also a testament to how far they've developed the randomizer and they've come up with things like the safe pirates flag to prevent those scenarios from happening. Pirates are safe by default now and can't get spells unless you turn a flag on otherwise. And of course, there's also the fact that Oftentimes, progression isn't locked behind them anymore because we can turn on so many NPC freebies and shuffle what it is that they have. So. Yeah, between the NPC shuffle, the, the different options like that, that makes a big difference. Yep. So Helps that's a lot. Away. So the, the, again, the, I, the I, randomizer has evolved to, a lot. I was trying to think of the first time I actually met you... Uh, I think we just fell into doing commentary somewhere along the way. Yep. And uh, then the biggest thing that you and I have done together was for that uh, speed gaming live, mm -hmm. not live, uh, Don't Get Hungry marathon. That was on speed gaming uh, about a month or so ago. And yep. you jumped in there to help do some color for me on that solo red mage run. Yeah, that was fun. That was I mean, I just came at it from my experience and my knowledge base of Final Fantasy NES and the randomizer, and then we just kinda chatted for two and a half hours while you played the game and just had fun goofing off. We did have a lot of fun with that, and of course the the nice thing is, and it's another thing you always want to remember when you're doing commentary, is what questions are somebody gonna have that's watching this for the first time? They mm -hmm. don't know what this stuff is. It's one of the reasons why you gotta be careful about memes. Memes can yeah. be fun, but if you're only doing memes all the time, people are going to be completely lost watching because what's mm -hmm. the Sharknado room? Exactly. Now, when you see the Sharknado room, it makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. But if you just say Sharknado room, it makes no sense. The the, the room that has the Gershark and Wizzahags in it and also a separate tile that has the water, water tornadoes on it. Honestly, you, people tell me, go to the Sharknado room, and I've been playing the game for a year and a half, and I'm like... Which room on the floor is that again? I don't I don't know your meme. Just tell me what room it is. Yeah. But that be shorthand becomes a thing inevitably in games because you want to communicate information very quickly. Yep. So your language as a gamer may be different from the language you need as a commentator where you have to actually tell people where you're talking about uh, the runners going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> It's it's fun. It's I I mean I I like I like commentating with you. I think I think we have a good rapport. But it is it, you are correct that, that it's it requires a certain level of skill and knowledge and the ability to convey things to people in a way that they can understand, even if they aren't like Final Fantasy people. Which I'm sure there are people listening to this podcast that don't play much Final Fantasy, despite the fact that I keep interviewing Final Fantasy people and they will continue <laughs> listening to what I have to say. And if you haven't, give it a shot. Yeah, it's a fun game. Maybe I mean, any of it's Dark Horn, I promise you can beat me. <laughs> Dude, you can probably beat me, too. I'm terrible at it. year and a half in, I think I've gotten marginally better than when I first started. Woo! That's about how I feel most of the time. I, I'm marginally better than I was three years ago. <laughs> Marginal improvements, yay! <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about? No, just... Uh... 
I, I don't have anything confirmed on the calendar right now, marathon-wise, so I can't really plug anything other than the Chrono Trigger Relay, which I'm sure has already happened by the time this is airing. But yeah, if that sounds at all fun to you, I recommend checking it out. It It'll just be on, uh, uh, an eighty percent run of Chrono Trigger. Mm-hmm. So if you've never seen how much they can break that game, it's worth seeing how much they can break that game. They can break that game a lot. Even just minor glitches actually do a lot for it. Like figure out how to unequip armor on characters, so which you would think normally would be a bad thing, but Chrono Trigger by default doesn't let you not have gear on. And by unequipping it, you actually boost certain stats and make your characters more defended than they should be otherwise. It's it's kind of whack. It is very strange. You, you can end up boosting your attack values. You can resist elemental stuff a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. So you go in there, again, the 80% run wouldn't fight Hecron. They're just able to skip him. Yeah. But like the Hecron fight becomes completely trivial without the equipment on because he's attacking with magic all the time. Yeah. Well, you've got phenomenal magic defense, so you're just laughing at him basically the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I think with the uh, the unequipment glitch, the only thing that you don't get a defense of is I think it's fire in the at least the American version of the game. So the one boss that actually is not trivial is the Son of the Sun, because he only does fire attacks. Uh, he actually does a darkness attack as well. Oh, you're right. He does. He does one. Yeah. That's he the only fire, one that's trivial. He does but the rest single of it. target darkness attack. Yeah, but the rest of it. Sure. Yeah, I've, I've, I've watched that, and that's one of the few times they're sitting there going, okay, we need to actually throw some of this ruby or red gear on to deal with this fight, and then we'll unequip everything again, because we're just more powerful otherwise. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to see how much speed runs can break a game. If mm-hmm. you enjoy a game at all, it's probably worth checking out a speed run of it at some point just to see yeah. what they can break. Even if it's not the way you want to play, it can be <laughs> very entertaining to see it, even if oh, you yeah. just play the game casually. First time. And I mean, what, like, I like to watch uh, Castlevania runs and just seeing what they can do with the game that I, I'm never going to be good enough to do. But knowing that it's there in the game and the, the weird, like, out of bounds glitches they can do and everything else, it's fun to watch once or twice. I do love experiencing a game. And I think those are the speed runs I watch more. But however you go about it and whatever you want to do, it is fun to just watch people sometimes play a video game and show like how a video game can be played well as opposed to in my case how i do it well i'm not sure what date range you're looking at this going up but uh, i'll also mention the speed gaming live marathons coming up in november and if you're hearing this after i'm sure there was a lot of fun had there uh, if you're seeing this before hey watch for it it should be a lot of fun are you racing in Final Fantasy 1 for that? or I am not. I, I was made a uh, tournament admin by Speed Gaming uh, as a official okay. position, and I took myself out of the running because I didn't want a conflict of interest. And that just goes to show what a good guy Darkman Aww. is. Not everybody would even worry about that stuff. Yeah. I I was I was not comfortable with it. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm sure no one would have complained, but just to head it off so there wasn't a complaint. And it's just like, nah, let's just let's just avoid the potential conflict here and just do everything on the up and up. So, but no, I, I love speed gaming last year. I thought that event was a lot of fun. I was crazy busy during most of it because I volunteered for everything. Uh, and I'm actually, I, I, I fully understand because of the coronavirus and I appreciate that they decided to take the event online only. I am disappointed it wasn't live again this year. And I am really hoping that it's live next year so that we can do it upright again. 
I think we're all pretty much in the same boat. And as more information comes in, the world is changing and the decisions people are making in a year are going to be different. Yeah. But that, that in-person experience was a lot of fun. There was downtime to actually hang out with people, which is a very fun part of a marathon. Make sure you don't just, if you go to one of these in the future, don't overbook yourself. Don't be busy 20 hours a day, or you're going to end up miserable at the end of it. Have some downtime. Have some fun. Because there's yeah. some people there that you may never even get the chance to see again, or not commonly. You get more time to talk to someone than you ever would before in a face-to-face -face environment. And it can just be a blast. I've met people I follow on Twitch now just because I met them live and they were such great people to hang around. Yeah, I mean, even with my how busy I was at the marathon, I still book time, or the tournament, I still book time to be part of the marathon there so that you and I could commentate the Caleb versus Gregly fun run there for Speed Gaming Live, which we actually did, like, a whole series of races leading up to that uh, for them just to, like, build hype for it and get people interested in the, the, the marathon and Final Fantasy Randomizer, and Speed Gaming was super supportive of that. But then, you know, of course, we all hung out afterwards, too, just to, like chill and be friends and everything else it was a great time just being there oh yeah and we ended up seeing more people there than we even expected to be there there were others that wished they could have been there but it was just that one was a bad year so it was great all the way around and that's what a lot of the fun that the live events can do i look forward to a time when we actually do have them again of course people yeah. used to joke about the well, a non-brand affiliated flu, let's call it, where uh, <laughs> sickness has a way of passing around at events like that. Cogprog, yeah. I was at one in January and didn't have that issue. One, I wasn't shaking a lot of people's hands because nobody even knows me to begin with. But also, I just used hand sanitizer all over the place to make sure I was constantly cleaning my hands, and that made a difference. Like, everyone's going to be doing that the next live event we have. I, I think shaking hands at these is a yeah. thing of the past now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's be honest about that. There's a question. What do you think is one thing that used to be a part of in-person marathons that won't be going forward? Ooh, that's interesting. Um, As long as coronavirus is a threat, I don't think we are going to see packed couches sitting behind the runners anymore. I think while we will have on-screen commentators, I would not be surprised to see them seated six feet apart in separate chairs. That whole big communal group hug, uh, let's all take a selfie while the run is going on kind of thing. I think that's, at, at least for the next couple of years, that is just not going to be happening. The, the other thing that I really wonder is what the game slash practice rooms will end up looking like because you're really going to want to clean some of these peripherals and whatnot in between runners. So yeah. is everybody going to walk around with their own bleach wipes? Are there going to be cleaning wipes I mean, by if it was the me? station? How's all that going to look? Because e even if we're in a better position with coronavirus, some of these things are just going to be a permanent change of life. It's like, okay, we've got to clean these common touched surfaces. Yeah, if it was me, I would think that there you have like a room proctor who has wipes, uh, and then you ask the people to bring in like 
however much of their equipment they're comfortable bringing. Like, maybe so far as bring your own console you play on. We will provide the cables, we will wipe down the surface, and we will, and we will wear gloves to do the cable swapping. Uh, but that way you know that your console and your controller and your game is safe. I think at minimum you're going to see people bringing their own controllers at a mm -hmm. much higher rate. Yep, yep. Gloves for everyone in the room who's not a runner is, I think, going to be key as well. That's You are right. There's a lot of common touch surfaces that people aren't going to want to common touch anymore, at least for the next couple of years. And one of those that I think is going to be the hardest to really do something about, but how are you going to do it? This is probably one of the biggest... Like, we've talked about a bunch of things you could do and still have these events. But one of the problems is when here's a person that everybody wants to talk to and, like, 12 people want to huddle around that one person, how do you deal with that is probably the biggest question mark in terms of any kind of live event right now. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. They're, they're safe spaces. I mean, I will admit I'm the kind of person who my natural personal space is six feet already. So I'm sitting there going, you want me to stay six feet away from people? Done and done. But <laughs> that's, it is that thing of, yeah, there's a lot, I, I do recognize there's a lot of groups that form. There was at the breakfast every day for Speed Gaming last year, there'd be tables of eight or nine people all huddled together just chatting. And I'm sitting there going, no, now that I think about it, I'm not going to be doing that. If I see someone at breakfast, I'll, we'll get a long table. I'll sit opposite them. We can chat. And the second anyone else comes up, I'm walking away because, <laughs> You know, we never saw each other at breakfast. I think I managed to get in there like a half an hour before they closed every day. And I'd be one of the first ones in oh. just because for whatever reason, when I'm out of town, I wake up earlier. Oh, my God. Yeah, I uh, I think I had to set my alarm so I could remember to get up for breakfast because when I'm on vacation, my natural inclination is to sleep till noon. Well, you're also staying up till 2 a.m. volunteering. For everything. There's that, yeah. too. Yeah. No, there's there's there's. There's, there's that. You are, you are, you are correct. Yeah. <laughs> so predictions sure to go wrong. When do you think the next in-person marathon thing is going to be? Like, well, you don't have to predict which, what event it'll be, but when do you think one will happen? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think it's probably a 50-50 shot that Speed Gaming Live happens next year. Uh, Virginia is doing a much better way than some, although I think everyone's trending upwards right now, but it's doing much better than some about controlling the coronavirus. Um, and I think while it might be a more stripped down event, you know, you're going to have like limits to how many people can be in a room, how many people can actually be in attendance outside the people actually running. Um, I think I could see a version of speed gaming live happening next year. Uh, time wise, knowing when the elections are going on and who I'm hoping will be president next year. And we don't have to touch upon that unless you want to. Uh, <laughs> the May may be a push. I wouldn't be surprised if RPG Limit Break gets pushed back again. But I could see Summer Games Done Quick happening. Yeah, I think by summer of next year we're talking about yeah. it. And I don't like to talk politics on the internet because it's it's not built for persuasion anyways. Yeah. So it's it all just ends up being talking points and memes and <laughs> people not taking a moment to think critically about their own choices. So I don't... I don't like doing that on the internet, which is ironic because I was actually a political science major in college, and chances are no more about anything than most people I talk to on it. I just don't talk to them about I it. I mean, 
This is a podcast. It's two of us, and I don't care if we convince anyone else at all. So if you want to chat about it, you go for it. No, I like to have... I, I like to not create arguments where they're not needed. That's fair. So that's one of the reasons I stay away from politics. I stay away from controversial issues whenever I can online. And That's fair. I, I've made a big deal in the past, uh, especially in Randomizer. Hey, we're here to have fun. Mm-hmm. We're here to have fun around a game. Let's have fun. Let's make that the goal. We need more fun in the world anyways. True indeed. I think we've been going for over an hour at this point, so I will probably let you get back to your normal life at this point. Oh, well, you're presumptuous. <laughs> I I just, I mean, after an hour, I know I, my horse, my voice starts to get hoarse, and I'm like, ooh, I might need to start, like, thinking about doing something else right now or go get a drink or whatever, so... By the way, if people haven't picked up on this, one of the things I like to do is play it straight for a good long while until <laughs> my broadcast partner is not on guard for it and then just zing them with something that cracks them up. And it's really fun to do that to Dark Moon. <laughs> I, I like to roll with it. It's fun. Um, anyway, so, yeah, no, I, I think we'll we'll start wrapping this up at this point, but I do appreciate you being on here. It's been a lot of fun chatting with you. It, like, we, we just kind of kept going it was it was really neat had fun and yeah. uh, if you ever want to do this again you know where to reach me absolutely I'll, i i keep meaning to get like a couple different final fantasy people in the booth together so we can just have fun chatting and seeing where the conversations go it's just booking everyone and doing things like that you know yeah you get meridian and troper and nits in the same booth all developers for final fantasy one rando and sometimes they'll just take off and you don't have to do the thing. But they can keep going for a while. Yeah, I've, hey. seen, I've seen their late night booth chat conversations that seem to go like four or five hours. <laughs> uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. I uh, hope mm-hmm. you enjoyed. And uh, whatever you're doing, have fun. Thank you for being on the show, Trenton. This has been Not So Live from Asteroid G, a special interview presentation with Trenton. And we will see you next time.